The subjects discussed in this podcast are sensitive and at times may be uncomfortable and controversial. The intent is not to teach or educate. The intent is to provoke independent thought through faith to better understand our differences and embrace them. Human conservation faces the challenges of today's society head-on by leaving our comfort zones and having the courage to discuss difficult subjects that keep us all divided. Pull up a chair and join me at the table as we search for ways to better connect with one another. The Human Conservation Podcast with host Reverend Corby Willette. Restoring faith in humanity by exploring the paths of culture, history, science, nature, and spirituality. Promoting human conservation through human conversation. Welcome to the Human Conservation Podcast. I'm your host, Reverend Corby Willette. This is a bonus episode this week. Uh, due to recent events uh, with the Roe versus Wade stuff uh, and what's going on on social media, I felt it necessary to have an extra episode this week. You know, when I started this podcast, I started it with the intent of putting some joy back into this world, and I wanted it to be something positive and something upbeat. But as we all know, that's becoming increasingly more difficult with every passing day. But that's not going to deter me. I have people that have been friends for 30 years now parting ways over a difference of opinion. And it's an opinion that only half of the population should have. I'm just going to put it out there because I know that this podcast is going to bring repercussions on me. And I am completely at peace with that. But the only people that should be weighing in on the issue of abortion are women. I don't know what it's like to be pregnant. I don't know what it feels like. I will never know what it feels like. Nor will any other man that walks this earth. You see, the problem is is everybody is, is in arms over a decision that most people don't even completely understand. But they want to make it about life. Oh, it's, it's pro-life. It's not about the life. It's about the choice. Now, I'm a conservative minister, but the reason that I'm pro-choice is because God gave us free will, and I do not have the right to take that from somebody. Do I believe that abortion is wrong? Yes, I do. I believe God. life starts with God. But I do not believe that that stands above someone's right to choose. I want to ask anyone that knows a woman that's ever had an abortion and ask yourself how that person feels about it. Because the ones that I've talked to, it's a decision that they carry with them for the rest of their lives. It's something that a day goes by that they don't think about. It's not something that somebody just idly goes, I'm going to terminate a child. Most people do it for reasons beyond our understanding. Everybody fights a battle that we know nothing about. But to devalue that, to devalue what a woman has to go through when she makes that decision, you see, that part of the story never gets told. Nobody stops and thinks about the guilt that goes along with making a decision like that. You know, I've known women that have had abortions that struggle every day emotionally over the decision that they made. 
And I know women that made the choice to keep the child and give it up for adoption. That's the choice. That's the choice that women have to make. I don't get to pretend that I know what that's like. You can't legislate morality. What's ironic is I think a bigger problem in this country than women having an abortion are crappy fathers. How many fathers get women pregnant and take off or not even in the picture, turn their backs on their kids? It's probably more than women that have abortions. But we got no problem. We're not going to point that out, right? We're not going to take accountability as, as men for our own actions when they behave like my father did. Me and my brother have jokes still that we may have brothers and sisters all over this country from the way my father behaved. And I know he wasn't alone. But are we going to point that out? We're at a place in life now where a husband tries to do something nice for his wife or a boy tries to do something nice for his girlfriend and you hear jokes like you lose your man card or you're whipped or, you know, making noises. Why? Because you treated a woman nicely with respect? Goes beyond the abortion stuff too. You know, we look at somebody that's different than us and automatically it's, it's right to judgment. We see something that somebody feeds us on TV. The whole world knows that the media is trying to divide us, but yet we still see something on TV and we go berserk before we even get the full story. How, how is that possible? How is it that we can sit down calmly, everybody on both sides, right and left, can look and go, oh, the media is a big problem. They don't tell you the whole truth. But then you see something on TV and immediately everyone's got to flip out and react before anybody even knows what was going on. And, you know, and then when the argument doesn't go the person's way, let's, let's compare it to somebody else. You know, there's two directions that this way can go. The right likes to, you know, use argument for argument. Like, okay, uh, abortion, well, it, let's compare it to gun control. Well, that, that's a crummy argument. Both sides are actually doing that now. You, can, you can't compare one to the other. They're two separate issues. One, you're talking about uh, a right to carry an item. The other, the other right you're talking about, you're a person's human body. The bottom line is, before I go down a rabbit hole that has no end, the bottom line is, is this. Do you think for yourself or are you a sheep? Do you just listen to what is fed to your brain from somebody else? Or do you actually sit and think about what's going on? Come to a rational, intelligent conclusion from your heart on what's right. And I promise you, if you do that, you will come to the fact that no human being has the right to take away the free will that God gave us, regardless of what that is. Now, to my Christian brothers and sisters that are sitting here listening to this with their mouth open going, oh my God, I can't believe he's saying this. I want you to think about something. And this one's really going to get me in trouble. But I want you to think about something. If abortion is murder, if it's not murder, guess what? That fetus goes straight to heaven. And if you are a Christian person and you have any belief in heaven at all, then you will know that that fetus skipped this horrible environment that we are in now and went straight to paradise to be with Jesus Christ. I was not a Bill Clinton supporter. I didn't vote for Bill Clinton I didn't particularly care for Bill Clinton's policies, but Bill Clinton had the greatest quote that centered around abortion out of any individual that I ever heard. Abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. 
as far as the morality of it, how does God see it? Well, on a personal level, I don't think that God approves of it. But I do believe that God will be there for that child, and I also believe that God will be there for the mother that made that decision. Don't think that God doesn't realize how hard that decision was either. We are all open to forgiveness. When asked what the greatest commandment of all was, it wasn't thou shall not kill. It was love thy neighbor, love one another. That was the greatest commandment. Love thy God and love one another. You want to keep going around in circles like we can argue against each other all day long. That's not going to get anybody anywhere. We're now in a society where people are almost forced to take a side. This was the last podcast that I ever wanted to do, that I ever imagined that I would do. And for all I know, maybe it's my last podcast. I'm sure sure not going to give up, that's for sure. But people just stand on two sides now. And there's this great big expanse in the middle. I'm diving into the middle. I'm diving right into the middle of that wide open space. And I'm asking for people to dive with me. I'm not asking you to agree to the Roe versus Wade decision. I'm asking you to respect the women that are faced with that choice. If you've never never had to make that choice, you don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like. Now the other side, women, you're going to be told to close your legs. You're going to be told things like abortion is not birth control. I don't know how to stop that from happening. I don't. I don't have the answers when it comes to that. But from a minister's perspective, I can tell you this, that God is with you, God has not forsaken you, and God will heal you. And that stands whether abortion is sin or not. That is between you and God. See, to me, the larger sin is when you break God's greatest commandment, which is love one another as I have loved you. Again, I saw many people this weekend drawing battle lines like it's the Civil War to, to fight each other over an opinion or a difference of ideals. I mean, if that's really how God wanted it, shouldn't I be out going to war with all of the Jewish and uh, Muslim and atheist people that are out there because they don't believe what, what I believe to be right? How awful my life would be if I just disqualified everybody that didn't think the way that I think? You know, I wasn't going to do this until Easter, but I really think that I need to do it now. So I'm going to end this podcast by trying to bring us all back to an innocent place and an innocent train of thought. So I'm going to read a bedtime story for you, a children's story, if you will. So I want everybody to calm down, get yourself a coffee, a hot chocolate, put me on pause, and I'm going to read you a bedtime story. And I hope that at the end of this story, you're going to feel better. Okay, you're back. I'm going to get started. This is the story of Barrington Bunny. Once upon a time, in a large forest, there lived a very furry bunny. He had one lop ear, a tiny black nose, and unusually shiny eyes. And his name was Barrington. Barrington was not really a very handsome bunny. He was brown and speckled, and his ears didn't stand upright. But he could hop, and he was, as I have said, 
very furry. In a way, winter is fun for bunnies. After all, it gives them an opportunity to hop in the snow and then turn around and see where they've hopped. So in a way, winter was fun for Barrington. But in another way, winter made Barrington sad. For you see, winter marked the time when all of the animal families got together in their cozy homes to celebrate Christmas. He could hop, and he was very furry, but as far as Barrington knew, he was the only bunny in the forest. Hop, hop, hippity hop. Barrington made tracks in the fresh snow. Hop, hop, hippity hop. And then he cocked his head and he looked back at the wonderful designs that he had made. Bunnies, he thought to himself. They can hop, and they're very warm too because of how furry they are. But Barrington really didn't know whether or not this was true of all bunnies since he had never met another bunny. When it got too dark to see the tracks he was making, Barrington made up his mind to go home. On his way, however, he passed a large oak tree. High in the branches, there was a great deal of excited chattering going on. Barrington looked up. It was a squirrel family. What a marvelous time they seemed to be having. Hello up there, called Barrington. Hello down there, came the reply. Having a Christmas party, asked Barrington. Oh, yes, answered the squirrels. It's Christmas Eve. Everybody's having a Christmas party. May I come to your party, said Barrington softly. Are you a squirrel? Well, no. What are you then? A bunny. A bunny? Yes. Well, how can you come to our party if you're a bunny? Bunnies can't climb trees. That's true, said Barrington thoughtfully. But I can hop, and I'm very furry and warm. We're sorry, called the squirrel. We don't know anything about hopping or being furry, but we do know that in order to come to our house, you have to be able to climb trees. Oh, well, said Barrington. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, chattered the squirrels. And then the unfortunate bunny hopped off towards his tiny house. It was beginning to snow when Barrington reached the river. Near the river bank was a wonderfully constructed house of sticks and mud. And inside there was singing. It's the beavers, thought Barrington. Maybe they'll let me come to their party. And so he knocked on the door. Who's out there, called the voice. It's Barrington Bunny, he replied. There was a long pause, and then a shiny beaver head broke the water. Hello, Barrington, said the beaver. May I come to your Christmas party, asked Barrington. The beaver thought about it for a while, and then he said, oh, I suppose so. Do you know how to swim? No, said Barrington Bunny, but I can hop, and I'm very furry and warm. I'm sorry, said the beaver. I don't know anything about hopping or being furry, but I do know that in order to come to our house, you have to be able to swim. Oh, well, Barrington muttered with his tears filling in his eyes. I suppose that's true. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, called the beaver, and he disappeared beneath the surface of the water. Even being as furry as he was, Barrington was beginning to get cold and the snow was falling so hard that his tiny bunny eyes could scarcely see what was ahead of him. He was almost home, however, when he heard the excited squeaking of field mice beneath the ground. It's a party, thought Barrington, and suddenly he blurted out through his tears, Hello, field mice. This is Barrington Bunny. May I come to your party? 
but the wind was howling so loudly, Barrington was sobbing so much that no one heard him. And when there was no response at all, Barrington just sat down in the snow, and he began to cry with all his might. Bunnies, he thought, aren't any good to anyone. What good is it to be furry and to be able to hop if you don't have any family on Christmas Eve? Barrington cried and cried, and when he stopped crying, he began to bite on his bunny's foot, but he did not move from where he was sitting in the snow. Suddenly, Barrington was aware that he was not alone, and he looked up and strained his shiny eyes to see who was there, and to his surprise, he saw a great silver wolf, and that wolf was large and strong, and his eyes flashed fire. He was the most beautiful animal Barrington had ever seen. For a long time, the silver wolf didn't say anything at all. He just stood there, and he looked at Barrington with those terrible eyes. And then slowly and deliberately, the wolf spoke. Barrington, he asked in a gentle voice, why are you sitting in the snow? Because it's Christmas Eve, said Barrington, and I don't have any family, and bunnies aren't any good to anyone. Bunnies are too good, said the wolf. Bunnies can hop, and they're very warm. Well, what good is that, Barrington sniffled. It's very good indeed, the wolf went on, because it's a gift that bunnies are given. It's a free gift with no strings attached, and every gift that is given to anyone is given for a reason. Someday you will see why it is good to hop and be very furry and warm. But it's Christmas, moaned Barrington, and I'm all alone. I don't have any family at all. Of course you do, replied the great silver wolf. All the animals in the forest are your family. And then the wolf disappeared. He simply wasn't there. Barrington had only blinked his eyes, and when he looked, the wolf was gone. All the animals in the forest are my family, thought Barrington. It's good to be a bunny. Bunnies can hop, and that's a gift. And then he said it again, a gift, a free gift. On into the night, Barrington worked. First, he found the best stick he could, and that was difficult because of the snow. And then hop, hop, hippity hop to the beaver's house. And he left the stick just outside the door with a note that read, Here is a good stick for your house. It is a gift. It's a free gift with no strings attached. Signed a member of your family. It's a good thing I can hop, he thought, because the snow is very deep. And then Barrington dug and dug until he dug up together enough dead leaves and grass to make the squirrel's nest warmer. And then hop, hop, hippity hop. And he laid the grass and the leaves just under the large oak tree and attached this message. A gift, a free gift from a member of your family. It was late when Barrington finally started home. And what made things worse was that he knew a blizzard was coming. Hop, hop, hippity hop, and soon poor Barrington was lost. The wind howled furiously, and it was very, very cold. It certainly is cold, he said out loud. It's a good thing that I'm so furry. But if I don't find my way home pretty soon, even I might freeze. Squeak, squeak. And then he saw it. A baby field mouse lost in the snow, and the little mouse was crying. Hello, little mouse, Barrington called. Don't cry. I'll be right there. Hippity hop, and Barrington was beside the tiny mouse. 
I'm lost, sobbed the little fella. I'll never find my way home, and I know that I'm going to freeze. You won't freeze, said Barrington. I'm a bunny, and bunnies are very furry and warm. You stay right there, and I'll cover you up. Barrington lay on top of the little mouse and hugged him tight. The tiny fella felt himself surrounded by warm fur. He cried for a while, but soon, snug and warm, he fell asleep. Barrington had only two thoughts that long, cold night. First, he thought, it's good to be a bunny. Bunnies are very furry and warm. And then, when he felt the heart of the tiny mouse beneath him beating regularly, he thought, all the animals in the forest are my family. Next morning, the field mice found their little boy asleep in the snow, warm and snug beneath the furry carcass of the dead bunny. Their relief and excitement had been so great, they didn't even think to question where the bunny had come from. And as for the beavers and the squirrels, they still wonder which member of their family left the little gifts for them that Christmas Eve. After the field mice had left, Barrington's frozen body simply just lay in the snow. There was no sound except the howling of the wind, and no one anywhere in the forest noticed the great silver wolf who came to stand beside that brown lop-eared carcass. But the wolf did come, and he stood there without moving or saying a word, all Christmas Day until it was night, and then he disappeared into the forest. Where is that kind of love today? Listen, I can't tell people what to believe, how to believe, or what to do, but I do want to tell you, all the animals in the forest are your family, not just the ones that think as you do. If you'd like to discuss the matter further, you can leave any comments, questions, criticism, whatever, at Corby, C-O-R-B-I-E-Y, at Corby.com. That's Corby at Corby.com. And if you support anything that I just said, also leave it at Corby at Corby.com and, and let me know because I could sure use some support. I could use other people in the middle. You don't have to publicly uh, declare allegiance, but just give me a little boost. Uh, but until then, have a good night, and we'll see you next week.